Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord of truth. Psalm 31.5 Welcome to the Into Your Hand podcast with Brendan and Wesley. Today we are discussing the Adventist Sabbath School lesson for November 7th, 2020. This quarter is entitled Education. This week's lesson is more lessons from the Master Teacher. The memory verse this week is Mark 10:52, And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. A special thank you to Fountain View Academy for giving us permission to share their music ministry with you. Links to Fountain View Academy are in the description. God bless you all.
Heavenly Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for your saving grace. Save us for your mercy's sake. We are broken. We live in a broken world of pain. May we accept your saving grace. Change us into your hand. We commit the spirit within us. May the Holy Spirit use us. Be with this lesson. May it be a blessing. Bring peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's nice to gather again together. And uh, as we said in the introduction, our memory verse this week is Mark 10, 52. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Wes, you have a couple of other memory verses to share with us. Would you like to read those? Yes, on the Sabbath section, it brings out a couple of things. The first one is John 4, 8, 4. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. And also it brings out Psalms 32. How blessed is he whose wrongdoing is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is a person whose guilt the Lord does not take into account and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality failed as with the dry heat of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I do not hide my guilt. I said I will confess my wrongdoings to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin, Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Certainly, in a flood of great waters, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You keep me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will advise you with my eye upon you. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. The sorrows of the wicked are many, but the one who trusts 
in the Lord, goodness will surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. The Sabbath school lesson talks about how we have fallen and we are full of sin. This is why it brings up the story of the woman caught in adultery. And my question is, is like, how is Jesus our only solution to sin? I think it's a very deep question to think about and to talk about. And I think that's what the lesson gets into, various aspects of Jesus's ministry and how we are saved through his ministry. All right. The people of Israel had the tabernacle in the wilderness, and they had a sacrificial system in which they would sacrifice um, various things, but most importantly, the pure lamb, which was a symbol of the coming Christ. So in that way, they received forgiveness for their sins. So they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And then the disciples were with the Messiah. They received his teaching. They received the, the further revelation of the scriptures, uh, explained in parables, and to them specifically explained in detail. The people didn't receive the explanation, but they received the explanation. And then we look back. We don't have the Messiah with us directly. But we look back to that time, and we have his teachings to reference. We also have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts our souls, and we know we, we have to judge the spirits, too, because we can be deceived if we simply trust our feelings. There's a, there's a vast difference between listening to our consciences and understanding that in light of the Word of God, and simply feeling good or bad about this or that, and then taking that as spiritual evidence. That can right. be a very dangerous step if you simply feel good about something and then you do it, or you feel bad about something and don't do it. If mm. it's only based on feelings, you can deceive yourself, or Satan That's can it. deceive you as well. Yeah, it's very, the feelings is a big problem. Right. A lot of people have that problem where they're just feelings-based thinking. You know, if it makes me feel good, I, you know, that's what I want, you know, kind of thing. Um, exactly. But also, if we, if we are able to train ourselves to not trust our emotions and to focus on our consciences and, and really, you know, thinking, a lot logical thinking, even that can be a challenge. And this is why, like you said, we have the scriptures and also human experience that we can combine together and see the truth. And I know like if, if I have my conscience says something and I'm like, that would be exactly what Jesus would say right now. Then, you know, I can understand because it's coming from scripture. It's not coming from just maybe a movie I saw. Right. That brings us to the very beginning of our lesson today, where it says, who among us has never been ashamed of him or herself? Who among us hasn't done things that pain us to think about? 
that we would recoil in horror if others knew about what we'd done. Mm. So that that prick of the Holy Spirit upon our souls uh, to confess our sin is an important step in the process of repentance. We first have to know where we've gone astray, where we've missed the mark. And we need to have a not only an understanding of what sin is, but if but really understand its ramifications. A lot of life stems from desire. Mm -hmm. And really the essence of true faith is our desires realigned according to the word of God, according to a faith and a heart made new, a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. We need to be extremely wary if we realize that we are sinning, but we do not have pain because of it, and we do not recoil in horror with the thought of it. Because then sin has become normalized in our lives. And sin can be of the hand or of the mind or of the heart. So you might be in agreement with sin, even though you don't do it. Or you possibly might be doing some type of sin, even though you don't agree with it. So all of the Christian's life needs to be realigned, refocused on the word, and we have to have a desire for it. We have to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, because we all have this general state of sinfulness in some degree before we come to Christ. The right. scriptures say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we're promised that he who started a good work in us is faithful to complete it, and Jesus Christ is the master teacher. He's the solution in the forgiveness of sin, and he's also the teacher. And this whole lesson is all about the master teacher teaching us in an education of spirituality in which we can grow and thrive, because that's what he really wants for his children, not just to be forgiven and remain in a quagmire of slime, but to be forgiven and to walk on that straight and narrow path to heaven. Um, I want to say, like, I think you're really right. And but what are we you know, when we're growing up, we have a different sets of priorities and goals in our lives. And, our, and they come from, you know, media and from our families and and our upbringing. And all of it surrounds being comfortable, being happy, being uh, at peace. Um, having less stress, and that's exactly what we get when we understand what God's plan for us is, and it draws us to come to this, you know, when we understand that the Bible provides us, and Jesus Christ provides us with that, what our heart really needs, that peace, and the less stress, and no stress, and joys and such and and the happiness you know the world is not going to become a wonderful happy place because everybody got the right education at the right university then we need education from jesus christ and from the holy spirit and it starts with ourselves we can't expect others to be 
kind and loving while we're rude and inconsiderate. It starts with ourselves. And we want to live in that joyous society. And it's the society that the Bible talks of when we're all following Christ. Um, I think that's probably the first thing Jesus taught everybody. And it's kind of what the Beatitudes talk about. Um, and that's hinted at when we get later in the lesson. Um, so we have to realize when we come to Christ, we have to realize that what he's providing us with. Yes. The scriptures say about the Messiah that he is the way, the truth and the life. So what he provides is holistic and that's what he desires for us. And, and all sin is a separation from that wholeness. Um, right. That even if what we're doing is not a, really a witnessing opportunity, like, well, if I go do this, no one there knows I'm an Adventist. Nobody knows there, there that I'm a Christian. Still, God is seeing that, and it's not according to God's plan, and it's going to be hurting our characters. It's going to be hurting us and affecting our families in other ways, perhaps, even if we think we're doing something in secret. And ultimately, everything's going to be laid bare. Everybody's going to know in the final judgment day. There's not going to be any secret sins. Right. So moving on to Sunday, instead of hiding, do you have a Bible text to share with us for Sunday? Yes. Um, Romans 5, 11 to 19. And not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not counted against anyone when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the violation committed by Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the gracious gift is not like the offense, for if by the offense of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one offense, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the gracious gift arose from many offenses, resulting in justification. For if by the offense of the one, death reigned through the one, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one offense, the result was condemnation to all mankind, so also through one act of righteousness, the result was justification of life to all mankind. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. I think in this text, um, Paul is, Paul received a question um, while he was traveling about how Jesus saved everyone. And similar to what our lesson is somewhat talking about, 
And this was his answer to the Romans, uh, maybe to a question they weren't even asking, but he had heard this question before. Um, he had been uh, preaching for many years and he writes to the Romans answering this question of how God saves us or perhaps how did God, how did Jesus' death fit into the plan of salvation? And so it's showing here that though sin entered through Adam, righteousness entered through Jesus. All right, the first and the second Adam. Mm. Do you have something to say about Sunday's lesson? Well, um, the lesson talks about Adam and Eve and the taking of the fruit. We spoke about this several lessons back. Um, I think that was about, week one. Was I think that was yeah. lesson one of this quarter. Yeah, talking about Eve um, talking with the serpent and being deceived and taking the fruit from the, no the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 3.3. 3. But it's interesting that after she took the fruit and ate it, and he ate it as well, mm -hmm. uh, how God came in the garden and he asked the question, where are you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where are you? And I was thinking of it in terms of myself. Also, like when Elijah is running from Jezebel, God says, says to him, what doest thou here? Um, what are you doing here? Yeah, what are you doing here? And uh, I think it's a parallel, the two situations. And both imply that they're not where they're supposed to be. And I take this question also as like, where am I spiritually right now? Am I where I'm supposed to be right now? I want to allow God to use me as much as possible in whatever way he wants to use me. And um, so th that's where I'm focused on right now. Uh, if God asked me, where are you? Or what are you doing here? Um, he's probably asking me that every day uh, in, some, in some ways. Uh, my answer would be use me as much as possible. And also like the, the title of our podcast, I, I pray that, that my life is in his hands, my spirit is in his hands, the Holy Spirit is using me. Uh, I hope I'm moving forward in God's grace and he's you know, using me as a blessing. When God asked them in the garden, where are you? He knew they were in the garden. But yeah, making those parallels to where we are in faith is a valuable thing. And we need to reevaluate where we are. It's too easy to become complacent, especially if we're around others that are in a similar place. And when I say complacent, I don't mean in a, in a tremendously uh, rebellious state. It's a little bit easier to realize when you're in a rebellious state than when you have just become pacified with your daily routine. We need to have a zeal, um, both personally and in our relationships with our family, with our friends. And then we need to, I believe we need to think expansively for the kingdom of God, because he's called us to a great commission. And this world is in a lot of pain and suffering right now. We need to 
see what opportunities lay before us, bring them to Christ and ask for his guidance and what we should do. How can we be better Christians? How can we serve humanity in ways of faith and also in ways of compassion? So where are you? Where can you be? Where can we grow? So God didn't just ask where they were, but he also came to save them. He gave them a covering, a covering which was the result of sin, though. Um, the, the sin that came into that environment um, immediately was, was seen in, um, in death. And from that point onwards, they had a sacrificial system. There was a reminder of the death that they brought into the world that they had dominion of. They gave it over to sin, and death was the result. But even though there was sadness in the taking of the life of that perfectly innocent lamb, it was a perfect illustration of the perfect lamb that was to come, the, mm-hmm. the Messiah who was to take away the sins of the world. So God knew exactly what he was doing when he gave that symbol. And nothing could substitute for that. And that's what we see happen in that, in that first conflict between Cain and Abel. There was no substitute. It, we had, they, they had to have that symbol of the coming Messiah for the redemption of sins. So I, I just bring it up again, hiding from ourselves. So if we do not have that, that, that fear of our own sin, and by that I mean if we have accepted a sin in our life and we are no longer afraid of it, that's a very dangerous place to be. Oh, yeah. We yeah. have got to despise our own flesh if we are holding on to something that is toxic. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. If, we are, if our souls are pricked by the Holy Spirit talking to us and convicting us of sin, we need to repent of that and leave it behind. Because repentance is not just, I'm sorry, and I'll continue doing exactly what I'm doing, but I am right. sorry, and I don't want it anymore, and this is killing me from the inside out, and I want to change because I want to live as Christ lived. That's a real way of repenting, to turn I, away from that, that place of, of loving sin to hating the sin within. I, I agree, but every good thing is a gift from God. And like you're saying, I would ask God to take it away and to change me. I, it just reminds me of, you know, I surrender all. And I think that's what we need to be doing. And when there is a sin in our lives that we have, the sin is a habit that needs to be broken. It's an addiction that needs to be ended. And the best way for these things to stop is by surrender and, you know, hungering and thirsting for the Holy Spirit to change us. And when the chance comes to, seek the Lord and and make the right decision by his power not to do it again and praise the Lord for that change that has come over us so that that victory is won 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when I think of our lives and our sins, you know, that separation from God, so often, you know, sometimes it's just a habit that we learn from our parents, but maybe it's something else. And it's, it's about control. And we want to control our lives and manage our own lives. And when we realize that the best way is for God's way and to give up on some of that control. And it's interesting because that by giving up control to the Lord, we actually gain more freedom than ever before. Um, I wanted to talk, you know, we talk about the sacrificial lamb and it always brings up like, did Jesus have to die? And, and I would say, yes, he did. But I think what this sacrificial lamb signifies is that the arguments and the accusations in heaven that Satan was making, that Satan has been making for thousands of years, that is really what Jesus defeated by, you know, Matthew 4, the temptation in the wilderness, the 30 years of torment at Satan temptations and, um, you know, everything, his ministry was tormented with these Pharisee questions and stuff. And then to die on the cross, I, I think it was, for me, I look at it as, as that Satan was defeated in the original arguments in heaven that got Satan kicked out of heaven in the first place. And it shows who God really is, what the kingdom of heaven is really like. And it vindicates God's character that he's willing to die for us. Um, so I, I think it was, I, I see the lamb of God as Christ fully vindicating himself and proving to the universe of who he is and defeating Satan. Um, Monday's lesson talks about Genesis 28, 10 to 17. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haram, and he happened upon a particular place and spent the night there. Because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of the place and made it as a support for his head and lay down in that place. And he had a dream and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth with its top reaching the, to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Then behold, the Lord was standing above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give you, give to you, <clears throat> the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the world be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, The Lord is certainly in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, 
how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Um, this is the story of when Jacob uh, had finished deceiving his father. Esau was angry, and to save himself, he ran to his um, uncles. And um, the question I had about this section is, are we running from God sometimes? Are we running from God? Uh, Brendan, do you have something to say? Well, the, the first thing is his, is his sin. Jacob deceived his father with mm -hmm. the help of his mother. Right. And that was the wrong that was done that, that changed the course of his life, that set him on this path of escape, escape from what he felt was certain death by the anger of his brother. What was his life before this time? Did he walk with God? Was he close to God? Because when God is revealing himself to him, he is overwhelmed with his presence. It uh, makes me think about a trip I took across the States many years ago when I was in university. I rode my motorcycle across the United States to be with a friend of mine in Washington. And on that trip, I experienced a lot of trials, um, a lot of difficulties uh, with the motorcycle and other situations. I nearly froze to death twice. And actually, in the midst of Montana, with a thunderstorm in the distance, I also pulled off on a dirt road and found a stone for a pillow. So we all take long journeys. Maybe they aren't across the continent, but we take journeys of heart and mind and of faith. And we need to have our lives aligned in such a way that when God reveals himself in marvelous ways to us, we are overwhelmed with his presence and we come to know him as our Lord. And we realize that he is calling us. So Jacob had a long trip ahead. That was just the beginning. Um, it was a very long trip. Yeah. Decades. Years, years of work <laughs> to to gain the woman that he loved. He ended up with an extra wife, too, and he took care of her as well. So Leah and Rachel. Um, but he worked a, a long time for his uncle. His uncle was not good to him in some ways, um, was deceitful, but he was faithful. And the Lord blessed him with uh, a lot of children and also um, with with animals as well. well and he, blessed, he blessed him with practically his entire uncle's wealth, ultimately. Yeah, yeah he blessed him in tremendous ways with the offspring of the of the animals. And then when he came back, he was he was scared of Esau. He thought Esau might still be angry. So he he broke up the, his whole his whole group of 
of children and wives and cattle and and everything in, in such a manner that some could escape. But mm-hmm. God blessed him in the restoration of his relationship with Esau, which was broken many years before. Mm-hmm. Um, so God really worked in Jacob's life, and he works in our lives too. He is a God who is loyal, and he's with us for our lifetimes. You know, God can use us where we are and in the situations that we're in. We don't need to always jump on a plane and fly somewhere else to, which is not easy to do during this time. Um, But we don't always need to go to the next state or the next country to be used by God. God can use us where we are in the communities that we are in. Um, We can help those around us. Uh, There are people suffering everywhere. People who need to know who God is and what he's about. Yes, that's true. As long as we aren't just making excuses to not move our feet. Sometimes it's true. We should stay exactly where we are because that's where we need to be for our family. It's where we are most effective. But if God is leading us to another place, um, we should be open to that leading. And that takes a lot of courage. So Mm. put everything um, before the Lord in prayer and let his spirit guide. Let's move on to Tuesday's lesson, November 3. Do you have a Bible verse for Tuesday? Absolutely. Um, this is a very one of the most famous texts in the Bible. John 1, 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not grasp it. A man came, one sent from God, and his name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. This was the true light that came into the world enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came in. Sorry. This was the true light that came into the world, enlightens every person. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of the man, of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Uh, the Sabbath school lesson asks us, tells us the story about this text. Um, and then ask us to consider who Jesus was. Who was Jesus? Um, He's definitely the son of God. I know that I've been interacting recently with some Muslims and Islamic people 
who, you know, they don't believe Jesus was the son of God. Um, they use strange text out of context to try to say that he didn't even die on the cross, um, which kind of baffles my mind how someone could believe these things. Um, so Jesus was definitely who he said he was, uh, the son of God. And um, he came to uh, he came after creating this world. He came to show us the way, the truth, and the life. And to bring us uh, joy and peace and happiness with God. To reunite us with God. Questions about who, who Jesus was. All right, we spoke um, about this last week. Um concerning the word made flesh that dwelt among us right that jesus showed up as a person the personification of god so he took on human flesh to experience what we experience he was tempted in all ways and yet remained pure he was without sin he was the perfect lamb and thus the perfect sacrifice so by his death on the cross, we are justified and forgiven. Though it wasn't just Jesus who was around in those days, though, because there was one who came to make, make the way open for people to listen to Jesus, and that was John the Baptist, who preached in the wilderness. And even those religious leaders in Jerusalem uh, thought that something was special about John the Baptist in how he was calling for people to repent and to be baptized. And what did John the Baptist say about the coming Christ? That he was unworthy to untie the thong of his sandal. Mm -hmm. And yet Jesus came to him, and as an example, um, he was baptized. John baptized Jesus in the river and then god spoke from on high and the holy spirit descended as a dove so we should follow in like manner we should repent christ wasn't repenting of his sins but he was he was showing what we should do we should repent of our sins and be baptized we should die that symbolic death in the water and be raised anew just like the people of Israel went through the Red Sea, that was their baptism. And that's what baptism is a symbol of. The people of Israel going down into the water, yet God sustained them. They did not die in the water and, and brought them back out again. When we repent and we are baptized and the Holy Spirit comes upon us, um, our, our life of faith has just begun at that point. It's interesting that you say that because I haven't I hadn't really thought about it that way before. So I'm wondering what sort of preaching John the Baptist did in relation to the 40 years in the wilderness and and what it means to live the life and walk with the Lord when 
after you're baptized in the Red Sea and, uh, or symbolically baptized again. Um, I'm kind of thinking of some ideas um, that, is it true that if we are baptized in the Red Sea, symbolically being baptized, then we are now on a kind of wilderness journey ourselves where we are learning to live our lives with the, with the Lord. Um, we're learning his character and how to emulate that character in our lives. And we are going through difficult times with sin as the Israelites did for 40 years, um, ultimately to get to the promised land. So maybe there are some parallels that we should learn there. Um, I hadn't thought of baptism in the way that you described it before. Um, I wanted to say something also about Jesus is like um, he was fully man because if he was not fully man and Satan would have Satan and the evil would have all sorts of complaints. And also, if he was not fully man, also, the whole universe would say, is this a fraud? Um, so Jesus was fully man. And also, he was fully God. Um, Jesus came fully man, fully God, lived the perfect life for us. And defeated Satan and offers us the same opportunities by offering us the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and to change us. Um, you know, some people think about like, you know, perfection. You know, can we be perfect? I think we're supposed, you know, I think we're supposed to strive for that and allow, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to work in that direction, whether we truly reach it or not, is up to, to how much we surrender to the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Yeah, um, the, the perfection that we attain now is directly related to our submission, uh, mm -hmm. humbling ourselves, coming before the cross of Christ, and confessing our sins and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And at every crossroads of decision, the Spirit is there to both convict us of what is right and wrong, mm -hmm. to give us the power to do what is right, but we need to make the choice and take the action. And if we continue at every crossroads to do what is right and to be led by the Spirit, then we will be perfect. That's what he intends for us. It's to establish the kingdom of God in each soul. Right. Yes. And so this is a thing like some people I've talked to on the Internet in comment sections and everything in various social media. You know, they talk about Adventists being a workspace religion. And I'm like, um, no, it's not. <laughs> um, it's not my works. I'm not going to be saved by what I do. I'm going to be saved by what I allow God to do through me. Um, right. We, we still surrender. have to. 
Yeah, there's a surrender, there's a choice, and there's an action. But apart from God, we can do nothing. But together with God, we can do everything. Mm-hmm. So that same person who would criticize someone who's saying you're being a legalist, would they say it of Christ in the wilderness when he was tempted and he responded to Satan with the scripture and he denied Satan the opportunity to take any advantage of him? He did what was right according to God, but they accused Christ of being a legalist? No, never. He, he, was, he was in the position, and you said this before too, that he was our perfect example of right. how to face temptation. We're to face it with the word of God. And he was led into the wilderness in that, into that tempting time by whom? By the spirit of God. You know, I, that chapter, uh, the two chapters in Desire of Ages on the temptation are required reading. Um, it is powerful. And those, like you said, those, that's an important example for us on how to defeat Satan in our own lives. Um, right. It's a very important story to remember. Uh, so um, I know we continue to make choices. Uh, I think our choice that we need to make is to surrender um, and allow God to work in us and for that to change who we are such that we make the right decisions because God is working through us. Um, And I also reminded of Paul when he talks about running the race, right? Um, Run the race to win the race. And I'm reminded of people who plan for decades or whatever for uh, trips up difficult mountains or expeditions to the South Pole and North Pole and these, these, these expeditions that people could die on. You know, they work for years preparing for these expeditions. And then we think like going to heaven requires no effort. Um, I think it requires an effort to to surrender satan doesn't want us to surrender our human nature doesn't want us to surrender we think we can run our own lives we can't Uh, so i i think there's an effort there 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 is there is a sacrifice as well we're to take up our cross daily and follow him Mm. if if in the world's eyes everything that the world offers um all of the lust of the flesh and the, the, the desire of the eyes and the riches and the fame and the beauty, if all of that is considered valuable by some, it is a sacrifice by those who realize that it is nothing. Mm. Well, it's less than nothing because it is the ultimate distraction and destruction of the holy. So we're giving up what would take us down. It's like if you fell overboard and you were holding a, a golden anchor. It might look pretty, but it'll take you to the bottom of the ocean and you're going to die. Mm. So the sin is sort of like that. It has an appeal, but it's temporal and it is destructive. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, just one other, one reference, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, um, referring to the people of Israel, they were all baptized into Moses who was a type of Christ who led them out of slavery. 
um, into, into the cloud and in the sea. In the cloud and in the sea. So referring to the Red Sea. Um, Wednesday's lesson, uh, our text, we have two texts, it's the same story, uh, told a little, almost the same. Uh, Matthew 15, 21 to 18 says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he did not answer her with even a word. And his disciples came up and urged him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. Yet he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she answered, yes, Lord, but please help, for even the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at once. Uh, the same story is also in Mark 7, 24 to 30. Now Jesus got up and went from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no more to know about it, and yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician descent. She repeatedly asked him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the master, the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And after going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Um, I really like this story. Uh, the way Matthew puts it is very interesting because, you know, we always talk about prayer and seeking God. And here this woman is seeking God. And what do we get from him is he did not answer even a word. Um, so sometimes, he, you know, he just doesn't even answer a word. Can you imagine our prayers if he didn't answer a word? And then she kept praying and kept urging him. And um, the disciples are like, send her away. Um, and I'm sure she heard the disciples say, send her away. Um, but she kept pressing her petition. And he says, like, I, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's like, go away. <laughs> I'm not for you. <laughs> and she keeps pressing her point. Um, you know, when our relationship with God, this, this story is really perplexing. Um, we pray, we don't get a single word answer. 
We continue to pray. It's almost like he tells us to go away. We continue to pray and we finally get our answer and the Lord works with us and uh, heals or takes care of the problem. Um, but it's a very, very interesting story. I've heard a couple of sermons on before. Um, well, when I when I think of this woman and her interaction with Jesus, I think of when he um, goes when he makes the ascension back to heaven and there is the controversy concerning the Gentiles and should they be taken into the house of faith? Right. Um, should they be grafted into the people of Israel? So this woman is a Gentile. She is not a Jew. And he presses her in a very powerful way when he said, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Mm. She doesn't give up. She, she shows that even though she is a Gentile, she is a woman of faith, that she believes that he is the Messiah, that she believes that he has the power to heal. And she comes back to him and proves her faith by her words, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So she's asking for that, that hand of grace to be extended to her and for her to be accepted by him. And the proof of that would be the healing that he provides. So we are all this woman. We are all Gentiles to be grafted into the house of Israel. And we need that type of faith that doesn't back down, mm -hmm. that, that comes to Christ boldly, not in arrogance of our own, but boldly in desire for his mercy and grace upon us. You know, these, she knew from the stories of Jesus what he could do. And today we know this from the stories of Jesus, what he can do. Um, we should have as much confidence in what God can do as she had in what she knew he could do at that time. Yes. And um, she pressed her request through seemingly impossible odds. and. It seems to, you know, we have pets, you know, I mean, well, not, not right now, but as a child and stuff, we have pets. And we know that the dog can eat crumbs from the table. It seems kind of elementary to us. But in this pressing situation, for it to be, this illustration to be used, I would not have thought of it. I don't think I would have thought of it. Um, once God first Jesus is like ignoring me, I would have felt like walking away that I, I'm hopeless or something. Um, but if I had courage to keep pressing my issue, you know, then he's like, I'm just a dog. He like insults me. Um, I probably would have walked away, but she still persists. Um, I think this tells us something about. Um, prayer, it tells us something about our relationship with God, 
and the faith that we need to have and uh, what it means to really trust God. She trusted in his who he was, trusted in what he could do, trusted that he wanted to do it uh, because it's his character and, and what he had done for others. This is not the first Gentile that he had done something nice for. You know, he did he did miracles for other Gentiles. Including, you know, even in like Samaria and stuff, he had done other things. So. This was not just. The first and only. uh, Interaction with a Gentile. All right. Also, the Roman centurion was a a striking example of of the faith of a Gentile in the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Right. Ah, this this story is really, you know, uh, you know, makes me wonder about my faith and my trust and uh, how how I could get through the same gauntlet that she went through. Uh, and and do, you know, maybe there's something about our spiritual growth here um, to get to the same place where. Jesus tells us it shall be done for you as you desire. Mm. Let's move on to Thursday's lesson. Mm. Yes. Thursday's lesson um, talks about the healing of Bartimaeus. Uh, it is in Mark 10, 46 to 52. Then they came to Jericho. And later, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a beggar who was blind named Bartimaeus, the son of Tamarius, was sitting by the road. And when he heard that it was Jesus, the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and call, said, call him here. So they called the man who was blind, saying to him, take courage, stand up, he is calling for you. And throwing off his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus and replying to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the man who was blind said to him, Rabbi, I want to be, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. The question I have for this lesson is, um, are we blind? Can we see? And are we eating solid meals? And the reason I said eating solid meals is Hebrews 5, 12 to 14 say, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need, need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the actual words of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk's milk is unacquainted with the words of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who, because of practice, have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. Um, yeah, are we blind? Can we see? Uh, can we distinguish good from evil? 
um, as Hebrews 5 tells us. Um, I think sometimes we are blind, right? Uh, we don't know everything. We're, we're so busy. We're not studying as we should. Yeah. That kind it, of it, it's making a, a distinction between Bartimaeus and the 12 disciples um, who often seemed baffled and blind. So they had a spiritual blindness about them. Um, and Bartimaeus had a physical one. So we too can be blinded, um, especially uh, if we keep our eyes set not upon the cross of Christ, but on the on the news, on media, on we have a tendency to set our sights on those things that are troublesome because in the psych in our twisted psyche we believe that if we know of something wrong it somehow makes it right it's not logical but it's 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 often the case that's why people are drawn to the six o'clock news they they watch the destruction in their city and and in some way just because they feel that they knew about it that they heard the news that they're more in control of the world that they know but it's not the case really we need to set our sights on Christ, and then those instances in which sin does arise, either personally or within our sphere of influence, we are empowered by Christ to deal with those situations. By, by just watching the news and, and knowing about these types of things, it just, it just perpetuates the psychosis that we have somehow a control over the world around us in a, in a, way, that, a, a way that is our own. And it's not the case. We we can't do anything, but with with Christ, we can have an influence on on the world that we do have a way to touch, a way to reach out and to help. I wanted to uh, read um, a larger portion of that section that I mentioned previously in First Corinthians chapter ten, verses one through four, and it reads: Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers uh, were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So I mentioned that Moses was a type of Christ. He led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, just as Christ leads us out of the slavery of sin. Mm -hmm. And they were guided by a cloud by day, and that is to be guided by God. They were sustained by spiritual meat, which was the word of God, but it was also manna from heaven. And they were given spiritual drink which was the grace of Christ, but it was also the water from the rock, if you remember right. where they drank from. So the story of the people of Israel and their, their rescue from Egypt, being taken out of slavery, their baptism in the Red Sea, them being guided by the cloud, them having the law given to them, having the manna, the bread from heaven given to them, and the water from the rock, that spiritual drink, these are all symbolic, but they were also literal. 
for the people of Israel. And there are great lessons to be learned in that for us today. Let's move on to our lesson on Friday. And there's a short portion that I would like to read. Um, when we truly respond to the master teacher, we long to bear his image, breathe his spirit, do his will, and please him in all things. And that's taken from the book, Steps to Christ, page 58. Oh, and that's a, that's that is a beautiful passage, a beautiful quote from page 58. That's and, also a metric, right? I mean, like, you, we can use that kind of thing as a metric. We, we look at uh, the Ten Commandments as a kind of mirror to our lives. And we look at, uh, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. And we say, okay, am I really loving my neighbor as myself? Um, we, use the, we can see these metrics and see how God is working in our lives. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be changing me. Has he changed me? In what ways has he changed me? Am I the same person I was last year um, spiritually? And the only thing I have on Friday's lesson is the question is, what did Jesus want us to know? And it directs us to read the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I would urge the listeners and, and ourselves to read the Sermon on the Mount uh, today. All right, well, let's have a word of prayer to close our study today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could come apart, that we could read your word, and that we could find so much of a blessing in it. Father, we long for your character to be inscribed upon our souls, for the heart of stone to be replaced with a heart of flesh, and for that heart of flesh to be in tune with your spirit, and that at each junction of our lives, we are led by your spirit to do what is right. We thank you for your forgiveness. We long for the sanctification, and we want to see your kingdom come, not in the long, far-off, distant future, but right now. We want to be changed internally, and we want to be a shining light in our communities, a shining light in which we share the gospel, the good news with everyone that we come in contact with, and that we are a loving and helping hand to those people who are suffering. May we continue your mission here on earth, that your heavenly kingdom come soon. We want to see you again. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Faithful Father, enduring friend, your tender mercies like a river with no end, it overwhelms me, covers my each time I come into your presence, I stand in wonder once again.
Thank you for listening and reaching the end of the episode. We pray the Heavenly Father has blessed you. Brendan and I will be sharing devotions, sermonettes, and our Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath School lesson discussions with you.
You may subscribe for future content via YouTube or your favorite podcasting application. We'd like to extend a special thank you to Fountain View Academy for their permission to share their ministry of music with you. Please check out Fountain View Academy on YouTube and especially consider supporting them on Patreon. I am personally one of their Patreon supporters. We are not affiliated with Fountain View Academy in any way. Bible readings taken from the NASB are copyrighted by the Flockman Foundation. Bible readings from the King James Version are in the public domain.